Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, I as I was studying this message this week... I couldn't help but remember an incident from my childhood. Actually, there were many incidents. It was usually the same thing between me and my brother. I think most of you know that I love sweet tea. If you don't know that, you haven't been to one of our functions and seen me show up with five gallons of sweet tea, you think it's for you, but it's for me. But I love my sweet tea. And I can remember back as a boy at the dinner table, Mom would pour our drinks and we would have our meal, and almost inevitably, my brother and I would argue and and make a point with my mom, he's got more tea than me, it's not fair. Now, some of you are laughing, you know what I'm talking about if you've had kids, right? His pie's bigger than mine. You notice they never say, he's got more spinach than me. They never say that. But I can remember as a boy arguing about a millimeter of tea in my glass being less than his or whatever. That's really where we're at today. And you know, you think, oh, that's just kids. We're the same way, folks. Still operate with this sense of fairness. It's not fair that this, they're doing this at the work. Or it's not fair that they're charging that at that store. It's not fair. It's not fair. In fact, I just was noticing a headline yesterday, an NPR headline was talking about that this election we're about to have here next year, this year actually, may actually be decided on a question of fairness with regards to people who make a lot of money and with people who are suffering right now because of the economy. Fairness is an issue that we all struggle with, is it not? Except we come up with different words for it. We struggle with that whole issue. This is actually an issue that Jesus is going to be confronted with right now in our scripture here. Because there is a guy who's going to come to him, and he wants Jesus to do the right thing. He wants Jesus to do the fair thing by him. And we're going to see how Jesus addresses this guy. And we're going to see that Jesus actually is going to bypass what this guy thinks Jesus should do and go to a deeper issue. Because beneath the issue of fairness is a bigger issue. I mean, let's take, for example, me and my brother. The whole thing with me and my brother and, quote, the fairness, I, really, if I had, the, had more in my glass, I'm not wanting it to be equal with his. I'm happy that I got more. I'm only fussing because I didn't get more. That's really what the deeper issue is. And that's what Jesus is going to get to here. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 13 through 21. This lesson today actually is going to affect every one of us here. Because Jesus is not really really worried about what we think he should be worried about. He's worried about you and what motivates you in your life. Look with me at verse 13. Then one of the crowds said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, 
For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to divide this passage into, I think, three main sections. We're going to look, first of all, at the question of fairness. This is the issue that Jesus is being confronted with by this young man who's coming to him. Then we're going to look at what the greater issue is. Jesus is not going to address this guy specifically. He's going to raise a greater issue. And then we're going to look at the example of what he's talking about here. So let's look, first of all, at the question of fairness. Here's what's going on. Jesus is teaching. I already, we already know that there's a multitude, an innumerable multitude. The Greek word tells us it's probably more than 10,000 people. So again, I want you to picture that. Here's Jesus, and if the entire population of Kerwinsville and Clearfield showed up in one place to hear one guy, that's what I want you to picture. And so while Jesus is teaching, a guy comes to him, a young man comes to him, and look at verse 13, he, he has a request. He tells him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now what's he doing here? Well, in Jesus' day, in that society... It was often, often a custom that if you had some sort of disagreement with someone, you would go to the rabbi, the local rabbi or the rabbis, and have them arbitrate or have them mediate an agreement between the two parties. If there was a dispute, the rabbi would function as a judge. He would kind of render a judgment there. Sometimes that happens in our churches where people will come to the pastor and say to the pastor, hey, I need you to help us work out this situation. This is what this guy's doing. So obviously what's going on here is here's a guy who's obviously his father has died. He's not the eldest. In their culture, the eldest would receive the greater portion of whatever the inheritance is. Just so I want you to understand that. It's not a fairness thing there where they equally divided among the kids. If you were the firstborn son, not even the firstborn daughter, the firstborn son, you got most of whatever was left by your dad. And then a smaller portion would be given to all the other sons. That's not fair. Well, we're talking about fairness, aren't we? But here's the guy. Now notice he's not the gal. He's the guy and he's coming... Hey, Jesus, I want you, and notice what he's saying here, I want you to tell my brother to give me my portion of the inheritance. Here's two things I want you to see about the question of fairness here. First of all, the man assumes he's right. Notice what he's asking Jesus. Look at verse 13. It's very clear here. He's not coming to Jesus and saying, Teacher, can you mediate this dispute among us and so that we can come up with some sort of a fair agreement here? He's not even saying that. He's coming to Jesus, and notice it's a, a very directive word. Tell. 
Jesus, you tell my brother to do the right thing. He assumes he's right. He's already made up his mind that when it comes to this issue of fairness, he's got the right position. Isn't that what about it ain't fair? When we make points like that and we say it ain't fair, we are assuming that our position is what? The right position. That's why we say things like that. It's not fair. You know something? I say that because I have children, and we and you hear those when you have children. Now, when we get to be adults, we don't say it that way anymore. We change our lingo. We change our words. But the meaning is still the same. It's not fair. And at the heart of it is an assumption that you're right. The man assumes that he is right. So here's what he wants to do. He wants Jesus to do what he wants. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't go up to Jesus and say, look, Jesus, I want you to investigate this and, and see what the cultural norm is. And Jesus, I want to do what is right with, with regards to what society says, with regards to what my dad's wishes were. Jesus, I just want you to do this. You tell him, Jesus. And that's the way we are, isn't it? Sometimes when we go to God, I mean, can I be honest with you? Number one complaint that you will have with God is about what? Fairness. It's not fair, God. It's not fair. How come you're blessing that guy over there, Lord? I've loved you longer, Lord. How come I'm struggling? And it's like the gravy train for him over there. It's not fair, Lord. And when we talk to God, we often talk to him in directives. Have you noticed that? God, I want you to do this. God, you tell him. You work in his heart. You work in her heart. And so oftentimes there, he wants Jesus, this is what this guy's doing, he wants Jesus to do what he wants. But I want you to notice something, because because it's okay. How's Jesus going to handle this situation? Folks, it's shocking how Jesus handles this situation. Look with me at verse 14. And he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Here's the first thing. Jesus refuses to address the issue. He refuses to get involved. Now, let me just stop for a moment. It's not going to come out of our text as much, but culturally what Jesus just did would have been extremely shocking to everybody else around them. What Jesus just did by telling this guy, I'm not getting involved with this. I'm not even becoming involved in your situation. He's basically saying, listen to me, that this is not the important issue. Now, to that guy who's asking him, it is the important issue because it has to do with what am I going to get? Am I going to get my fair share from my father's estate? But Jesus is saying to him, no, I'm not going to get involved here. And folks, to those people in that day who are used to going to rabbis and having the rabbi make some sort of decision, what Jesus is doing here is completely shocking. That would be like you going to the magistrate and the judge says that day, I'm sorry, I'm really I'm not going to make any decisions today about your stuff. In fact, your stuff's too trivial for me to even talk about it. You'd be shocked. In fact, you might even tell others, don't go to him. This is what Jesus is doing. He's doing something shocking, and he refuses to address the issue. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus looks deeper at the issue of motivation. Jesus looks deeper at the issue of motivation. Look with me, verse 15. He says, I'm not going to get involved with this issue. And then he turns and says, look at verse 15. He says this, Take heed 
and beware of covetousness. Now, let me explain to you what covetousness is. Some of your Bibles may tell you that. It's greed. So immediately, it's not like he's changing the subject to something that has no meaning. He's getting to the heart of the issue here with this guy. Notice what he says. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. What was important to this guy isn't the issue of fairness. What was important to this guy is, am I going to get some stuff? Am I going to get my bank account growing? And it wasn't really the issue of fairness. Fairness to him was, is that I'm blessed financially and materially. And so Jesus says, look, I'm not getting involved in your issue. I want you to consider something that's even deeper. You need to be careful. You need to be aware of what you're motivated by. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you. That's where we are today, aren't it? Every single one of us here have got to be careful because we're motivated by the same thing. Every one of it, including myself. And it becomes a consuming thing. And some of you are there. You know what I'm talking about. And when you don't get it, and you're not able to get it, it's not fair. It's really the fairness issue is a cover for the greater issue. The greater issue is our greed. Do you understand? The greater issue is what we covet, what we want for ourselves, that we think we can't live without. I mean, just think about it. We just had Christmas. And I love Christmas, but thank goodness it's over. Because... The two months beforehand, Dad, check this out on Amazon. Dad, when are we going to Walmart again? Dad, have you seen this? I don't even know what I'm talking about. And then they get it, and they love it for the first five days. Now, where is it now? It's in the corner, or it's broke. What is that? It's a struggle we all have, and this is what Jesus is saying. The issue isn't the fairness thing, folks. The issue is a deeper issue within us. He's saying to this guy, look, it's not whether how much your portion of your inheritance is. The point is, is that you want a lot. And whatever the decision is, you're not going to be happy with. What motivates you? He's looking at the different, deeper issue of motivation. And so he warns against being motivated by stuff. He warns against being motivated by stuff. The issue isn't fairness. The issue is is that we in our culture, in our lives, and Big George right here is one of them, is motivated by what? Stuff. Stuff. Somehow we bought into the line that if I if I just had this, if I just had that truck, well I've got that truck. The water pump's going out on it now. Ooh, if I just had something else. See, we're motivated, aren't we? We're motivated not by the right things. We're motivated by stuff. And he's warning us against that. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus then launches into a parable. A parable is a story. A parable is a story that conveys truth. A parable is not necessarily something that has happened, but something that might have happened, but Jesus is trying to make a deeper spiritual point here. And so he tells us tells a story about a rich man. So look with me at verse 16. He says there was a certain rich man. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. So here's a rich guy. He's a farmer. And in an agricultural society, his ground yields plentifully. That is, he had a bumper crop that year. 
In fact, his crops were so good, the next verse there, verse 17 says, he thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And so he makes a business decision. Look with me at verse 18. So I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. So he's a smart guy. He has a bumper crop. He's, got, he's a man of means. He could take care of his stuff. Now, here's the first one I want you to make. Here's what I want you to see, because none of what Jesus is saying here is in the negative. So I want you to see here, having wealth and stuff is not the problem. Having wealth and stuff is not the problem. So let me just stop for a moment. Before you start thinking that George is, to, is preaching against, he wants us all to be poor, he wants us all to live in poverty, I'm not saying that at all. That's not the issue here. Because here Jesus is raising an issue of a man who is doing well. He's got bumper crops. He's trying to store everything. He rips down his barn, builds new barns to store everything. And it's okay. Folks, it is not wrong to have stuff. It is not wrong to have money. That's not the issue. That's not the issue at all. What's the issue then? Look with me at verse 19 and you'll see the issue. And I will say to my soul, you have... Many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, just in those three verses, verse 17 through verse 19, he uses, I think, the word I maybe five or six times. He also uses the word my several times. Here's what the issue is. The problem is our selfish attitude towards stuff. The issue isn't having it, folks. The issue is the attitude that we take towards it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of us misquote this verse from the scripture. We'll, we'll say this, we'll say that money is the root of all evil. How many of you have heard that? Money is the root of all evil. That is not in the Bible. You say, well, I thought it was. Well, let me tell you what is in the Bible. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of it. It's the attitude towards it. It's the selfishness that motivates us. Folks, I've been around a long time. Have you ever met somebody that got themselves so sick about having something until they got it? How many of you met somebody like that? Physically get sick until they got an issue, got something. I've seen that. Then when they got it, did that change anything? No, they got sick about something else. Here's what I want you to see. The issue is the problem is the selfish attitude. It's not so much that the guy had it. It's that the guy was saying, it's all for me. I'm going to spend it on me. It's all about me. I want it for me. Me, me, me. It was for the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. That's what's going on here with this guy. The problem is the selfish attitude. But I want you to notice something here. Here's what you and I need to grasp. Look with me at verse 20. This is a scary verse. Here's what's going on. But God said to him, fool. Now let me stop for a moment. What does fool mean in the Bible? Proverbs specifically wants you to grasp it. If you want to understand what the definition of fool is, in Proverbs, fool is often used to refer to somebody who is ignorant, who is unteachable, and who does not consider God in his life. Those are the three things about a fool. He's ignorant, he's unteachable, And he does not consider God in the course of his life. So Jesus is saying that God responds to this guy and says, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. 
Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Here's what he's saying. We cannot make assumptions about the future. Here's what happens, folks. What does that got to do with it? Well, it's got everything to do with it. This guy, he's going to die. And God says, then all that stuff you have, who's going to take it? You can't take it with you. And so here it is. So what's the issue here? When you and I covet, when you and I want stuff, we're forgetting something. We're just like this fool. We're self-absorbed, we're ignorant, and we're not considering God in our life. And we have this assumption that we got tomorrow. We have more than tomorrow. We have a few more years ahead of us. In fact, we listen to the news. And we listen now that the average person lives to be 80 or 90 now. Isn't that amazing? And so we think, well, you know, I'm I'm going to be 46 here in a few weeks. Hmm, 90? i got 44 more years. Hey, what am I going to do with those 44 years? I'm going to make myself comfortable. If I only had, wow, the latest of every electronic gadget, I'll be okay. What am I presuming? What am I presuming? That I got 46 years? That I got tomorrow? See, I'm forgetting something. I'm forgetting, first of all, that God is the one who gives me everything that I have. And that ultimately it should be available for His use in whatever way. Now, when I say that immediately, somebody will say, Oh, there we go again. He wants us all to give it to the church. No, I didn't say that. When I say you make it available to Him, I'm saying that when the Holy Spirit says something to you like, Hey, your friend's not doing well. Why don't you help him out? You can help him in that situation. Hey, you know this family over here that's struggling. They can't put food on the table. Why don't you buy them a bag of groceries and leave it on their front doorstep and don't tell them who it is? See, I believe God works in those ways. I think it's not what you give in the offering plate at church, folks. You're not going to hear us stress that very much here. What we are going to stress is, is you be available to the Holy Spirit that what he gives you is not for you. It's for you to use to be a blessing to others. See, this guy, Jesus called him a fool. Because it was all about him and what he had and what he wanted. God said to him, your soul's required of you tonight. Now who's going to get all that stuff you had? See, we, we, we can't make assumptions about the future. We can't. We can't do that at all. So Jesus is making a point here. Look with me at verse 21. So he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Here's what he's saying. Choose what you're living for. Choose what you're living for. Some of you, you are living for your house. Some of you are living for achievement at work. Some of you are living for your toys. This is the point that Jesus is saying. He's saying to this guy, don't talk to me about this inheritance thing. Because what it expresses in you is a deeper issue that you're living for stuff. Don't be rich towards yourself. Be rich towards God. This is the issue. Yeah, it affects all of us, isn't it? Well, you, and Some of you immediately are thinking the same thing that we talked about earlier. It's not fair, George! Yeah, it's not fair. But the reason why you say it's not fair because there's a deeper issue within your own heart. And let's talk about what the deeper issue is. We're greedy. And notice I used the term we. We're greedy. We're greedy. And this is what Jesus is trying to get to us about. So you say, okay, George, how do we, how do we, how do we wrap this up? Well, let me give you two, two things to think about and then I'm going to give you an action point for this, for this week. Really, it's two questions. Number one, what motivates you? What motivates you? That covers every area of your life, folks. For some of you, 
You're, you're motivated by your work. And, and, you, and you, can I be honest with you, some of you guys, you will couch it with this statement. Well, I, you know, I know I'm working a lot, and yeah, yeah, I'm doing all this, but I, I'm trying to provide for my family. Reminds me of an article I read 15 years ago about a well-known baseball player at that time who, uh, whose daughter was said some disparaging remarks about him in the newspaper. And they asked him about it. And here's what his quote was. I don't know what that brat is complaining about. I just bought her a Mercedes. See, he didn't have any clue. He was doing what he was doing for his family, but what his family wanted was him. What motivates you? See, you could be motivated by the wrong thing. This is the issue that Jesus is getting at. When we start raising the fairness issue and all of that, what is the motivation? What are we motivated by? And so that brings me to the next question. Are you self-centered or God-centered in your life? Is it about you? I mean, you know, Maddie and I have birthdays a week apart. And, and this is going to be her 16th birthday, and so I've been really pressing her. What do you want to do for your 16th birthday, Maddie? And so we've made the decision, and we're going to do this. And, and so here, so we were just talking today, and I said, well, you know, hey, we're going to go get pizza. How about this restaurant? And of course, we're going down to Altoona. How about if this restaurant down in Altoona? I think they got good pizza. She said, well, what if you like it and I don't like it? And then here's the statement that happens in my house a lot. It's all about you, George. <laughs> now, am I Maddie-centered or am I George-centered? You see, my agenda was coming out there, isn't it? See, this is the issue. When you, you gotta, you gotta think about it. What motivates you? And when you think about what motivates you, are you man-centered or God-centered? Now, let me just stop. I gotta correct this. We've so often had this concept in our mind that when we talk about being God-centered, well, we mean that you gotta be religious, spiritual, carry around my Bible. Hi, how art thou? Talk like that. You know, I mean, do you know what I mean? We really want to be like Michael Landon and touch, we're touched by an angel or something, you know? I mean, you know what I mean? That's not what we're talking about. It's where priorities become your priorities. And when God shows you somebody to care for, that's your priority. It's not about you. So are, are you, are you God-centered or are you self-centered? So then here, here's what I want you to do. Here's the action point of this week. Here, I want you to do this this week. I want you to pray and ask God to help you to do this this week. Purposely choose to live for God this week, folks. It's not about you. Live for Him. Say, okay, Lord, what you want is what I want to do. For some of you, maybe that means you need to pick up your Bible and read it to find out what He wants you to do. But purposely choose to live for Him. Folks, it doesn't really matter about whether or not it's fair. So let me, can, let me just wake everybody up to a reality. Okay, You're, Some of you already know this. I'm going to wake you up to the reality. Folks, until Jesus comes, life's not fair. Period. But that's really not the issue, is it? It's about you and your relationship with God 
and where your heart is. And may your heart be centered on Him rather than on what you want. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.